ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, thanks so much for joining back on the No Higher Calling podcast. Um, if you've been keeping up with the podcast, it probably has not been that long since you have heard my voice, um, but it has been a while since I have been on this side of the microphone. I tried to do a bunch of batch recording leading up to the birth of our fifth baby just because of Christmas and baby and all of those things, and I wanted to give myself a good month of uh, pre-recorded episodes so that I could just enjoy cuddling my newborn. Um, but here we are. It's February now. She is like a month old, over a month old. Um, and so we're getting back into it. This is the first episode that I have recorded since having Flora. Um, and what better episode to jump back into podcast world uh, than sharing her birth story. So this is going to be an interesting one. Um, if you've been kind of following along on the podcast, if you follow on Instagram, social media, all of that, um, then you will probably have seen snippets of what we thought our births could possibly look like. Um, now, I know one of the episodes that just came out was The Labyrinth of Birth with my friend Toby Ann. And I called her. I think Flora was like maybe a day old. Um, and I called her. I just needed to like process through everything that happened. And she's my go-to girl, especially when it comes to birth. Um, and I was talking to her and I was like, you know, I should have known when we recorded an episode with that title and that topic about how you can like imagine this perfect birth scenario and it could totally not go any way that you plan. Um, I should have known that my birth wasn't going to be scripted the way Brittany had written out. Um, but the Lord was so good in every detail. And really the more we were able to look back with a clear head, the more that we saw God's guiding hand in every detail of Flora's birth, even if it wasn't exactly what uh, we had dreamed and hoped for. So um, I will just jump in and share kind of her story, her arrival. It was wild. It was completely unexpected. And um, it was so different than anything that I had my heart set on. And you'll hear some of that as I get into it. Um, but she's here and she is an angel baby. I could not ask for a better baby. I mean, she just eats and sleeps. That's it. Like she hardly ever cries so much that when she does cry, like all my other kids kind of have a panic attack, like something's wrong with the baby because babies don't cry. Well, actually babies do cry. This one just is a really quiet and chill baby. Um, she's actually on my chest right now. Um, so hopefully you won't really hear her, but you might hear little noises. Um, and if she wakes up, daddy might edit out that part, but um, she is currently sleeping on my chest. She is just such a gift from the Lord. I'm so thankful for her. Um, but I am now going to just jump straight in and share her wild birth story. Okay, so down in the comments section, I will share the episodes um, for all my other kids, for Eden, Knox, Ivy, and Willow. So just quick recap my first two births were medicated hospital births. Um, I did not know anything about birth, about options. Um, I just kind of did the cookie cutter system because that's all I knew. Um, and so my first 
was a medicated birth. My second was actually an induction two weeks early, um, a medicated birth. And then 2020 came and I was about to have my third, my IV. And uh, you know what happened in 2020? The world went crazy. Hospitals went crazy. And we already knew that we wanted a natural birth with her. I really had started researching and learning and reading books and realized that that was going to be the route that I felt uh, most comfortable with for myself and for baby um, at that point in just me educating myself. Um, but as the world was just seemed to be falling apart around us and I just had so much anxiety over her birth, um, the Lord just orchestrated a multitude of events. And like I said, you can go listen to her episode, um, to bring us around to ultimately doing a home birth. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was my best birth so far out of all my five Ivy's birth was the best. Um, it was intense It was shocking. I didn't expect it to feel that way. I didn't expect it to just uh, knock me down so fast. Labor came quickly with her. Um, Three hours and she was out. Um, But it was so beautiful and redemptive and transformational and like literally life altering. Um, So then we had Willow and Willow was born in exactly one hour. So we realized that my body does all of the like early labor in the weeks leading up to birth. So like I have Braxton Hicks, I have contractions, baby drops, um, you know, I start all the cervix stuff, dilation, the effacing, all of that. Um, so then that's actually why my son was induced two weeks early because I went to my 38 week appointment and I was eight centimeters dilated with no labor. Um, and so my OB is like, no, we're just going to go ahead and induce you. And I didn't really know anything different then, so I just did that. But now I know that my body just does that. And that being eight centimeters dilated does not mean that I'm going to spit out a baby in the next couple hours. It could literally be weeks before I have a baby. Um, All that to say, my body doing all of that early does mean that when it is go time, whatever the like trigger is for that, my water breaking or whenever contractions do finally start, or whatever, like, just flips that switch that says, hey, it's baby time. Like, it is baby time. All life needs to immediately stop, and we need to transition into a baby is coming out of my body, like, pronto. So, um, that makes life really interesting when, for a few weeks, you're just living on edge of, like, any moment a baby could fall out of me. Um, so that's kind of how we lived the end of December going into Christmas and all of that. Just like, when is this baby going to come? It could come at any minute. Um, you know, I would have different things that be like, Oh, is this could be the start. This could be the start. And then it'd fizzle out and nothing. Um, and so we were just uh, sitting on standby, but everything was ready. So my dream birth, she, so, okay. Flora was due on December 26th. So she was our Christmas present from God. So my dream birth looked like this. Um, Obviously, we wanted it to be a home birth. She's our first Aussie baby. So that was going to be its own unique set of just amazing things and cool. Um, But we had our Christmas tree all set up in our beautiful family room. It's a big open room and open space. Um, We wanted to have our kids there and present and involved in this birth. I shared all of that on a Preparing Your Kids for Home Birth episode. Um, So we were ready. Like I had a list of things for Simeon because I, I, you know, we were just thinking like, Hey, it's going to be fast. 
So I had a list of things for him. Like when, whenever it's go time, like this is my list of priorities. Make sure that these things happen. And some of those things were uh, to get the lights on the tree. Like I, I wanted it dark. Um, usually I have babies at night. Even if I didn't, we have like a darkening curtain. So I was like, I, I want it dark, but I want the Christmas tree lights on. Um, I have a hymn instrumental CD that I wanted playing. Like I just, I had this whole like ambiance atmosphere of what I wanted. I wanted our family, just our intimate in the family room by the twinkling Christmas tree, welcoming this little Christmas present from the Lord. And I just had in my mind, like I could play it like a movie. Like, okay, I'm there on the floor and the kids are over against the wall waiting for their brother or sister to come. And daddy catches baby and scoops baby up through my legs and I grab baby and I hold it for a minute and I lean it back and I get the first glance at what the gender is and then I reveal it to the whole family and we just have this blissful, amazing, sweet bonding moment of just pure bliss as we delight in this new baby. So that was what my dream was. Um, Throw all of that out the window. That is not how it went. Um, Okay. So now that I got that out of the way, I I have to share that because it was just, it was a beautiful goal. It just didn't happen. Um, Okay. So this is how things actually went. December 26th came and went. Uh, She was not born then. Another day came and went. Another day came and went. Uh, we got all the way to New Year's Day, which was Monday. So New Year's Day, uh, I'll be honest, I was a little discouraged. Like, okay, here we are starting another year, 2024, and I'm still pregnant. Really cool fun fact. Um, because Flora delayed her arrival until 2024, that means that I have been pregnant some portion of every year from 2016 to 2024. So, wow, that's amazing. And just praise the Lord for his unspeakable gifts. I'm so thankful um, that I've been able to be a mama uh, really six times. We have a baby in heaven too. So I'm so thankful for the opportunity to carry life and bring life into the world. Um, But I was a little disappointed. Like, all right, here we are uh, in a new year. I'm still pregnant. And the next day, January 2nd, was going to be a week past my due date. Now, I know that due date means Like, it does not mean eviction notice. It does not mean that the baby is supposed to come out on this day and any other day is like an oops. No, a due date is an absolute guest date. And uh, babies come when babies want to come. I like, I, I know that and I believe that. But when... I am further creeping away from that due date. Um, it, it, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a mind game when you're trying to just be patient and wait, but you've also been waiting for like nine months and you're ready to get this baby out. Um, so that's kind of how I was feeling. But the evening of New Year's Day, we actually, we had a beautiful New Year's Day. We were all home. I made homemade pizza for dinner. We had fun with the kids Um, We put them to bed, and I think Simeon was trying to help me get my mind off the fact that it was another year and I'm still pregnant. Um, So he was like, let's play a game. He had gotten several new games for Christmas, so he played this, like, race car game. Super fun. I'll link it down in the comments, too, um, because it's a great couples game. Um, But we were playing that, and um, then we decided to just head to bed about 1030. Um, Throughout that evening, I had been feeling really crampy and, like, super uncomfortable, but I'd kind of been doing that for like days and especially in the evening. And I think it was just, you know, I'm, I'm a busy mom of (laughs) other kids. 
So I didn't know, like, maybe I'm just tired. Maybe I did too much today. Um, but I definitely was feeling kind of like, oh, yeah, let's just go to bed. I'm done. I don't feel very good. So we went to bed around 1030. Um, around midnight, I woke up and I was like, wow, I'm super uncomfortable. The cramps were getting more intense. Then I started realizing like, okay, I think these are more contractions than just like cramping. Um, so I kind of laid there, tossed and turned for a while, um, but they were getting more painful. So I got up about 1230 and I was like, okay, we're definitely headed in the right direction. So I started just kind of doing a few things, changed my clothes, washed my face, put on a little bit of makeup. Um, and I woke up Simeon and I told him, I was like, this is kind of how I'm feeling. I, I think we're definitely headed that way. So he gets up, he's got my little list. He was amazing, by the way. I'd like shout out to him all throughout this episode. I, he was just so good. He's working through my list, getting everything the way I wanted it. Um, and, you know, I were just kind of getting things ready then about one o'clock, um, I, I was in labor. I was definitely in labor. And he had been asking me like, okay, do I need to call the midwife? And I'm like, no, you know, I'm just, I've had things kind of flare up and then die off. So I don't think so. Um, but one o'clock, like 30 minutes later, which is how my body works. Um, we were like, yes, it's go time. Call the midwife. Now my midwife is amazing. God just gifted her to us. I'm so thankful for her, uh, but she lives an hour away. So we knew like, okay, it really is baby time. She needs to be getting here. Now, the lady that helps her was like 30 minutes away. So that was great. Um, but that she had prepped Simeon and I both in the event that we wound up having a free birth and no one was here attending to us. This is kind of what we needed to do. And, you know, this is our fifth baby, our third home birth. He's been very involved in the other births, especially the home births. Um, so as long as everything kind of went straight forward, we felt pretty confident that we could probably handle the situation by ourselves. I mean, with that, they be, they would be like on the phone if we needed them and they're definitely en route. Um, but if baby came before they made it to the house, we would be okay. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing. Um, I'm starting to labor. So we move out by the Christmas tree. He's already got the lights on. My music's playing. He's amazing. Um, she's on her way. We're working through things. And then I just did not feel comfortable being on my hands and knees on the floor anymore. I just was like, I need to go somewhere. I felt like I needed to lean on something. Whenever I'm in labor, I get very, very weak, like almost instantaneously weak um, and very shaky. So I was definitely feeling that even though it was like just starting. Um, So I told him, I was like, okay, I need to get off my hands and knees. So we actually moved out to our living room. Um, and I have a, just a small little couch there. So I was kind of up on my knees on the couch, leaning over the back of the couch. Um, at that point it's like one 30, um, my water breaks, contractions start getting more intense. My, <laughs> my water actually like erupted. It was crazy. It was like a loud popping sound and just water. My water broke like everywhere. Um, I think him and I both were like, whoa, that was weird. Um, but it was it, like labor is on and I'm starting to push. So Simeon goes and gets our older three kids. So Eden, Knox, and Ivy all come out. And our living room, dining room, kitchen area is all kind of there together. So they're over in the dining room and they had books and coloring and all that. They were so sweet. You know, by the time they come out, I'm pushing, I'm, you know, sounding like a mother who is trying to push out a baby. Um, and little Knox comes up by the couch. So my couch is like not against a wall. It actually is kind of the divider between 
the living room and dining room area. So I'm on the couch facing, like I'm on the couch facing towards the dining room. So he comes up to the couch where I'm like leaning over and uh, Knox was like, can I get you anything, mama? I was like, yeah, actually I would love to have a pillow to lean on. So he goes and gets my pillow and like brings it back out and fluffs it up on the couch for me. He was just, he was so sweet. And then all three of them were over there coloring and they were just being absolute angels. They were doing their thing and they'd glance up from time to time and look at me and give me these sweet smiles. Eden would give me this smile and like nod her head, like you're doing a good job, mama. Um, anyway, they were just being absolute sweethearts. Um, so two o'clock, my midwife and her assistant get there. Um, as soon as they came in, they were like, okay, wow, she's pushing. We need to get in there. Everything that we had talked about, like how it would probably go, um, with it just being fast and intense and straight to pushing is what it was looking like was happening. So they came in, um, they're getting their stuff ready. I'm still on the couch and I got so hot. Like it's summertime here in Australia, which means it's over a hundred degrees. It's not in our house. We have air conditioning, praise the Lord. But I just, I was so hot and it was a fabric couch. And I was just like, I I can't, I can't be on this couch anymore. This couch is like baking me. So we tried to transition back into the family room by the tree. Um, But I, I was just, I was so uncomfortable. Every position that I was in, I was uncomfortable and I was so weak and shaky. Um, so I was like, no, I just, I, I'm tired. I need to go lay down. So we actually went back to our bedroom and um, I was laying down in there. Uh, and I, <laughs> I would just go in these cycles of like, I'd get so hot. Like I'm so miserable. I'm so uncomfortable and I'm so hot. So we go into our shower and Simeon would like spray me with cold water until I was like shivering. And then I'd be like, I'm cold. I'm cold. So he turned it hot. And then I'd warm back up and then I'd get back in the bed. And then a couple minutes later, I'd be like, I'm burning up. Get me in the shower. So I get in the shower and I'm Simeon, make the water cold. And he's putting cold water on me. And then I'm like, I'm freezing. I want hot water. And he was just, he was so good. Just doing exactly what I needed. Um, so anyway, we did that for what started to feel like an eternity. And I asked my midwife, I'm like, why is this baby not out yet? Like, I feel like I've been doing this for days. What's going on? And um, she hadn't done any vaginal exams up to this point, but she's like, I think a part of your cervix is just not out of the way yet. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep laboring, keep moving around. Um, as soon as that little piece comes back, uh, baby will be free and clear to come out. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, well, we kept going through the cycle and it just, nothing was progressing. Nothing was changing. I was still pushing and pushing and pushing um, and just not making any progress. I was so tired. Um, And and I know that sounds crazy because like after Toby Ann's birth stories and she's in labor for like over 24 hours. And then I hear of all these other mamas, like it's amazing. Those moms that just do this for hours and hours and hours. I couldn't imagine here. I was at like two hours and I'm just, I'm completely wasted. Um, But I was getting very, very tired. And so my midwife's like, well, look, do you care if I do a vaginal exam to just kind of see what's going on um, and figure out maybe why baby's taking a while? So I said, you know, I don't don't care what you do. I just need an answer. I need to know why this baby's not in my arms yet. Um, So she did an exam. And when she felt, she was like, I should have felt the top of a head. And I felt eyes and a nose. 
So that's when we realized that um, baby was not in the right position. So this is about four o'clock. Um, and so she goes off, she kind of talks to her assistant a little bit, and then she comes back and she said that baby was what's called brow position or brow presentation. So instead of the like top back of the baby's head being what would be crowning, it was her forehead eyebrow area that was trying to come out first. And because of that, um, she was stuck. She was kind of like hung up there. Um, so this happens in one out of every 4,000 birds. So it's not super common, especially for a fifth time mom. Like I was, I was an abnormality and I'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a bit as I go on with her birth story. But I mean, we couldn't believe it. Like this is not at all what we thought would happen, especially like I said, being the fifth baby that I had. Um, so she was like, you know, we can try to manually just rotate her and see if we can just get her turned enough to then just drop and come on out. So we tried that, um, but they kind of needed her to go back up, turn down, and they were not being able to get her to go back up at all. So because of that, they were not able to turn her. So um, that really kind of got us thinking, okay, what are our options here? So it's like five o'clock a.m. by now. Um, we tried some different positions. We tried some like really deep squatting. Simeon was like holding me while I'm just suspended in here trying to squat and push. Um, we did some different acupuncture. Nothing was helping. Nothing was making baby budge. And my midwife started noticing around 5 a.m. that with every contraction and pushing that I was doing, that the baby's heart rate was declining quite significantly. Um, so we started having a conversation that I would never have imagined having, and that was talking about transferring to the hospital. Um, I trusted my midwife and completely and rightfully so, like she earned our trust. Um, so when she started talking about a hospital transfer, like I knew in my heart that she would only be recommending this if she felt like it was the best option for me and for baby. Um, So we were chatting through and she just said with baby's heart rate declining and all the intense pushing that I had been doing, being fully dilated for that long, that I really just needed help that the hospital could provide. She said that they could try to manually rotate her. They would have um, better equipment to do that at the hospital. And then if something did not go the way we wanted it to, um, you know, obviously we would have all the backup that the hospital has available. So... Simeon and I kind of just really quickly chatted and I just, I was like, I I have to get this baby out. I have to get this baby out. And if that's what it takes, um, then that's what it takes. And I really felt like my heart was just breaking. Um, I was so disappointed and I was so discouraged. That is so not what I wanted. Um, I felt like all my dreams were just kind of shattering around me. But I knew that I had to get this baby out, and I wanted to get this baby out, and I I wanted her to be healthy and safe. Um, So we called our pastor and his wife at 530. Um, You know, we're in a place where we don't have family, and so that added a new dynamic. We're like, what do we do? Who do we call? We got to get somebody for our other kids. This We didn't have a plan B. We didn't think we'd need a plan B. But we called them and right away, they were just, him and his wife were getting in the car, headed our way. They were about 30 minutes away. 
Um, but in the process of them getting to us, we were getting prepared to head out and go to the hospital. Um, so about six o'clock, Simeon got me into our van. The hospital was about 20 minutes away, which really interesting note. So the hospital is actually in the city of Parameta, which is the city that God has called us to serve in and where our church is. And so it's just, it's, it's interesting how God does things like full circle sometimes. But anyways, that was a hospital that um, the midwife chose for us to go to. So she's driving behind us. Um, we're in the car. I, I didn't even sit in the seat. Oh my word, that was such a long, miserable ride. I am on my hands and knees, like leaning over the back of the the passenger seat uh, in the van. And um, so we're headed to the hospital. We finally get there and we pull up and there is like this long walk to get from the car into the hospital. And uh, so my midwife runs in, tells him that we need a wheelchair. Simeon can't leave the car there, so he needed to go park it. So I get out with her, uh, with my midwife, and um, she's like, well, let's just try to start walking that way. They're coming with a wheelchair. It, it's like a decent walk. I could barely move. I could barely stand. I was so weak and shaky, and I, I'm still having contractions like every two minutes. Um, but here I am trying to like walk down the sidewalk and I stop and have this contraction and I scream and I'm probably looking absolutely like I've been in intense labor for the past few hours. Um, and there's this older man that's sitting on a bench, like right beside me. And, uh, he like looks at me with this most pitiful look and he was like, ma'am, you can have my walker if you need it. <laughs> I was like, thank you, but I'm, I'm good. And uh, anyway, so sweet. But I lean on my midwife and she's basically like carrying me in. Anyway, we finally get in the hospital. We get to the elevator. We get up to the maternity ward. The doors to the elevator open and there's a nurse standing there with a wheelchair. I just climb in it. Again, I'm not even sitting. I am up on my knees and leaning over the back of the wheelchair. And uh, she looks at me and she says, um, this isn't for you. I'm, I'm supposed to go pick up a mom downstairs. And I was just like, I'm sorry, I'm not getting out of it. I'm not getting out of this chair until you take me to my room. Uh, so she takes me to my room and we get settled in. This is about 4.45 at this point. Um, and, you know, oh goodness, all the hospital details, all the booking in and all the, you know, answering the preliminary questions and all of that. It just, it felt like an eternity. Meanwhile, I'm like, I just want this baby. I felt like everybody that came in, you know, how are you? I, I just want the baby out. Can you help me? Can you get it out now? Where's the doctor? Is he available? Well, when will he be available? Because I need him like now. <laughs> so I was probably very, very rude. Um, but I was just, I was so done. Um, but everyone was so, so kind. Um, really, I, I could not be more pleased in the hospital staff. Um, you know, I've had a lot of questions about like, how does it compare to America? Well, I've only had two hospital births in America. Um, so I can't speak for everybody's experience. Um, but the staff here was so kind. They explained everything to me. Did not do anything without first discussing and getting my approval. Um, my midwife was right there with me the whole time. So ev pretty much everything, if it wasn't like something that I just approved right away, if I didn't understand or needed more clarification, she was right there. And like I said, I really trusted her. So there were a lot of things where I'd be like, look, do you think I need that? Do you think I don't need that? And whatever she'd say, I'm just like, okay, well, that's what we're going to do. If I wanted to decline things, 
Um, they were very gracious. Like I don't feel like they were judgy or unkind. Um, they just let me really kind of do what I wanted to do. And if they, you know, medically felt like that wasn't the best decision, they told me why and explained it to me. I was so thankful for that. Um, but they really, we had a great team. Um, there were, there was several doctors in there. There was midwives. So here in, in Australia, um, they don't necessarily have like nurses kind of like we do in like an OB and nurse. Um, they have the OB doctors and then they have the midwives that are actually working at the hospital. Um, then there were student midwives. So we had a few of those. We had this great Asian guy who was so kind. He took all the pictures for me. Um, but, uh, the room like was filling up. We had like all these people coming in. Um, like I said, later I found out that it was just kind of, I I was a spectacle. Like everybody's like, you're not going to believe this, but there's a fifth time mom down the hall that has a brow presentation that she's trying to push out. Like you might want to go watch that because you're not going to see that happen again. Um, so yeah, it was like a circus event in my room, but no, really, really, we had such a great experience. Okay, so we are settled in the room. The doctor comes in. The doctor tries to do a manual rotation. It was unsuccessful as well. So he starts talking through some different options. And right here is kind of like I lose track of time. I was just, <laughs> I don't know what I was, um, but I I kind of lose track of time from about 6.45 until she was born at 8.55. So about two hours here in between. Um But when the manual rotation did not work, they started talking to us about really what our options were from that point. And they were all very concerned that I'd been pushing for so long and she really was not budging. Um, And again, like I said, with her heart rate and all of that. So the doctor told me that the next thing that they wanted to try was to use a vacuum and to use forceps on her, which I don't really know very much about instrumental births. Um, that's just never a road I've had to walk down. So it's not something that I looked into. Um, but what flashed through my mind was like an early 1900s, um, torture chamber. (laughs) Like I was terrified. Oh my goodness. Especially at the, at the word of like forceps. I mean, I'm just like imagining all kinds of horrific things. So I was like extremely terrified when they mentioned these words to me. Um, but, you know, I mean, she had to come out. We had to do what we had to do. So, um, you know, if, when we realized that those were really the next best options, we started moving forward that way. They did recommend that I get the epidural just going that route. Um, you know, they said it could be very, very painful. So, again, that is not how I saw this birth going. Um, it is not what I at all wanted um, after my previous birth experiences and all that I've learned about birth, um, there are reasons why I did not want the epidural. But in this birth, I really had to realize that (laughs) I was having to humbly surrender many things that were my ideal and really just be okay in the moment of being like, this is not where I want to be. This is not what I wanted, but it's where I am. And I'm just going to have to trust the Lord and trust the people that he is putting in my path to try to help me. Um, And so they were really advising that I take the epidural. And so I, again, quick chat with Simeon. 
And he's just, he was great. He was just so supportive. And, you know, it, when we were at home, I mean, he didn't leave my side unless I told him to go get something. I mean, he was just so present, so active, so involved, which is exactly what we had wanted for that, um, for that part of our birth. Um, oh, and let me back up here really quick too. Sorry. There's so much, so much. And I was like, so not in my normal headspace that it's hard to remember it all. But the kids, so when we moved back into the bedroom, the kids came in too. They were coloring on the floor for a while, but when we realized that it was going to take a lot longer than we thought, when we realized the brow presentation thing, they watched a movie for a little bit, but we wound up just sending them to bed. So they actually went to bed about maybe 3.30 or 4 a.m. Um, and then, like I said, our pastor and his wife came to watch them. But anyway, so they they were involved in a good portion of the labor. Um, okay, and so Simeon was too. He was very involved. When we got to the hospital, obviously just due to the nature of the hospital and the doctors doing their things, he wasn't quite so present um, in actually like helping me labor. But he was still right beside me, right beside my head, encouraging me, holding my hand, helping me through it all. Um, I'm sure he was praying for me because he better have been. I mean, I just kept like saying like, you've got to pray for me. <laughs> I'm dying. Um but anyway, so I look at him and he's just like, look, wait, you know, under normal circumstances, I know you'd say, don't let me do this, but this is not normal circumstances. If you want the epidural, take the epidural. Um, and I was like, I, I need it. I need it. So I did. I got the epidural. Um, <laughs> the guy, oh, the, the epidural guy is some like young guy and it's, you know, it's like seven in the morning. He's probably just starting his morning shift. He comes like bouncing in the room. Hey mama, how are you doing? And I just looked at him and I was like, how do you think I'm doing? <laughs> this is so like unlike me, but I looked at him and I said, what a stupid question to ask me. And I felt so bad afterwards. Like afterward, Obviously, I didn't see him again, um, but I told the doctor, I was like, please tell him that I'm so sorry. I hope I didn't offend him. Like, I felt so bad. Here I am, the people pleaser. Like, how could I have ever said that to him? Um, but in in that moment of labor and Brittany not being her normal Brittany, um, I just had a moment of, wow, seriously, you're going to bebop in my room and ask me how I'm doing? <laughs> I'm not doing well at all. Um, anyway, I got the epidural. And it did help me to relax a little bit. And actually, okay, so this brings us up to almost her birth. Um, you know, my midwife and I were talking after the fact. Well, how do I want to do this? Let me see. I'm trying to, I, I'm getting out of order. Okay, so let me, let me just save this for a minute. All right. So I get the epidural. And a little bit later, all of a sudden, they're like preparing the instruments. They're getting the vacuum ready. They're getting the forceps ready. And I get some really strong contractions. And I start pushing um, and I, I, she must have made progress, um, because all of the sudden, like the room swarms over to my bottom and they were like, do that again, push, push really hard. So my midwife's down there. She's like, come on, give it all you've got. Give it all you got. The OB doctor comes over. He's helping me. And next thing I know, like <laughs> the instruments are over on the side of the room. Nobody's prepping those anymore. Everybody's encouraging me to push. And they're like, head is coming. There is a head. So I'm like, Simeon, okay, you get down there. You're going to catch this baby. Which he like, he caught Willow. That was not intentional. And he did a super fabulous job. And I think it's like, he, he's very proud of himself. Um, but to like prepare ahead of time to do that, he finds that a little bit gross. <laughs> so he had told me all along, like, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to catch a baby this time. I just, ugh, I can't do that. 
Um, but I look over him and he's got this look. And I'm like, look, after all I've been through, the least you can do is catch this baby. So he so wonderfully and sweetly goes down there. And all this, like her head is crowning everybody in the room. Every doctor is absolutely floored and amazed. I mean, like like I said, we had a whole like entourage watching because they could not believe that after all of that, that I was about to vaginally birth a brow presentation baby. So uh, here she comes. Out comes her head. And, uh, you know, waited for another contraction. Out came her shoulders and her little body slipped right out. And she was in my arms. Like Simeon scooped her up and they put her on my chest. 8.55 a.m. And she was here. After all of those high highs and low lows, my baby was in my arms. Um, But quickly we began to realize that she was not doing very well. She had swallowed an enormous amount of meconium. Like it was everywhere. Like I I was green. She was green. The bed was green. It was everywhere. Sorry if that's TMI, but it's a birth episode. So, you know, you're just, you're in for it. (laughs) But she had swallowed a lot. So she, she needed suctioned out and, um, she was really purple and limp. Her head was all kinds of wonky from just being pushed in such weird ways. Um, and she wound up needing to be put on oxygen for, for a little while. So I only had her for a few seconds. Um, and they told me, they're like, we need to take her. We need to help her a little bit. Um, before they took her, I was able to grab her little leg and pull it over. And, uh, I saw, I looked at Simeon and I said, we have another girl. We have another daughter. Um, but quickly that like joy and excitement really turned into probably one of the most scariest moments of my life. Um, when I did not know if my baby was okay, she wasn't crying, she wasn't moving. Um, I really didn't even know if she was alive. And so that was very, very scary for a minute or two. Um, but they were started, they were, they were able to kind of get her breathing, get her cleared out, get her on some oxygen. She was on oxygen for really only about 15 minutes. And all of a sudden she just turned pink and was crying and looking like a normal newborn. Um, and all of her stats and levels came right up to where they needed to be. And so they were able to put her back on my chest. Um, she was healthy. She was fine after all of, all of that, all of that birth and the scare and everything. She was back on my chest and she was just beautiful. She was perfect. Um, she did have a lot of bruising on the top of her head. Her head was very bruised from where she came out. Um, and she had a big kind of like wound spot across the front of her forehead that they think that when she kind of came under my pubic bone that it scraped her. Because um, when she came out, she was face up and like forehead first. So Simeon <laughs> said when she came out when her head was just out, it was just this little head sticking out, like looking up at him. Um, so he was like, that was kind of interesting. But anyway... Um, we, she was out, she was on my chest. She was beautiful. We had another daughter, our little Flora Quinn, baby girl number four. Um, we were both assessed by several different midwives. Um, she had a pediatric doctor come in, several different doctors and her and I both checked out great. I mean, she, after all of that, she was beautiful and fine and healthy and everybody just said she was passing with everything with flying colors. I felt great. Um, I was absolutely disgusting. Um, so I was able to get a shower at the hospital and clean off. But once I cleaned off, like I, I felt good after everything that I just went through. Um, 
And so my midwife was able to pull a few strings since we were doing so well and uh, get us an, an early departure from the hospital. So we were actually only there for six hours total from like arriving to leaving. We were there for six hours. Um, so we were there for like two hours from like up until having her and then about another four after we really would have left much sooner. Um, but we, you know, again, just waiting around on paperwork and discharge papers and all of that, but six hours and we were home. So about four o'clock we were headed back home. Um, and our pastor and his wife had been with the kids all day. When we got home, they kind of just bowed out. And, uh, I told Simeon, I said, look, I said, nothing went the way that I wanted it. And the way I had dreamed it of going, especially in regards to our family and including the kids. So I was like, I really want the moment of the big reveal and them seeing baby to be special. So when we got home, I just went immediately, went straight to our bedroom and shut the door. Simeon kind of chatted with our pastor and his wife. They left. Um, And then he brought the kids in. And I have a video of that. It's on Instagram. You need to go watch it because it just makes me cry every time. It's the sweetest thing ever of them coming in and meeting their little baby and seeing it was another sister. And, you know, everybody asks me, what does Knox think? Poor little guy, uh, surrounded by all of these girls. And, you know, he honestly, he did have a moment where he was disappointed. Um, he <laughs> he kind of, like, made this little frowny face. And then he looked at me and he said, well, Mama, I guess you're going to have to have another baby. Um, and then he was fine. Like, ever since, he has been madly in love. And I don't think he'd trade his flora for ten brothers. Um, he does hope there's a brother in the future. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> but um, she's she's wonderful. Like, she has been the sweetest addition to our family. She really is such a good baby. Um, we all absolutely love her. We're loving life as a family of seven. Um, you know, we're, we're just a few weeks into it. Uh, still have a lot to figure out, a lot to navigate. But it, we're, we're a team. We all just pitch in as a team. And, um, it's going so well, you know, these days are a little extra slow in the beginning. Um, but it's been good. It's been good for our family to just slow down and spend time together and get to know this new little one and to enjoy her and love her. Um, but we're just, we're so thankful. And, you know, looking back on everything, um, I know we were right where God wanted us to be, where we needed to be. Um, we were able to get the help that we needed. You know, I had I been at home, as much as I love home birth, and I am still 100% advocate for it, if I ever have more babies in the future, that is going to be my number one choice. Um, but I've always said I, home birth is for when things go, you know, normal, quote unquote. I, I hate even to use the word normal, but without complication. Um, but we had a complication. And again, I've said before that I am thankful for modern technology. I'm thankful for the doctors and the hospitals and the equipment and all the things that they can use when it's needed. Um, You know, things happened in my first birth and my second birth that were not needed. They were intervention that wasn't required. And it brought, you know, regret looking back. And it brought some bumps that I could have avoided if had I known better. Um, but with Flora's birth, it was different. Yes, I still had a hospital birth and I did not want that. I had an epidural birth and I didn't really want that. Um, but looking back, those were things that were needed in that moment. And, and I started to say this earlier, but the epidural, you know, I asked my midwife, I said, what changed? What went from me pushing for all those hours, all those hours being like two, (laughs) 
Uh, but for me, that felt like an eternity. What went, what changed from not being able to get her to budge to all of a sudden being at the hospital and here she's crowning. Um, and you know, she said, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was time. I don't know what she's like, but she said, as far as the epidural goes, she said that oftentimes it can kind of, um, give somewhat of a backwards reaction because it causes, um, your muscles to relax a little bit. And that can give a, you know, a couple backwards steps in the process of labor. She's like, but I think for you, allowing my muscles to relax actually might have been what it was needed to let Flora move back a little bit, that retreat that I said that we needed for her to turn just a little bit. I mean, she still was born brow presentation, so you still came out that way. But she might have just nudged a tiny bit that she was able to then come out because my my contractions were so intense. I mean, my like lower abdominal area, my muscles there were hurting so bad because my my midwife told me, she's like, I think your muscles are literally like, we are doing our job to the fullest. Why are we still doing this? Like, why hasn't this baby come out yet? My body knew what to do. It's just that, that position she was stuck. So she said, really, she thinks that the epidural might have just helped that process a little bit. So anyway, like I said, this birth was one of just humble surrender where I really just kind of had to swallow my pride. I mean, I, I I even told, I don't know if I should say this one here. I even told my midwife, I broke down crying when we were in the hospital. And I was like, you don't understand. It's like, I have a podcast and I am a champion for home birth. And I've been talking about how I'm going to have this baby at home. And I'm going to have this baby naturally. And how I'm going to have all my kids all around me. And I was like, and here I am at the hospital without my kids. And I just, you know, I'm just going on and on. And she was just like, you know what? You just, this is where we are. And you just need to be okay with that. And you need to do what you need to do to get this baby here. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, whether things were perfectly scripted or things went completely haywire, which is what happened in this instance, um, I had my baby and she was healthy and she was safe. And I'm thankful again, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. looking back, she did need some medical intervention after she was born. Um, and, and I'm thankful that we were at a place where we were just safely and quickly able to get all of that for her. And, um, so was it the birth that I wanted? No. Uh, but is it the birth that was required for this situation? Absolutely. And I can truly say, you know, at first I felt very, um, not cheated, but just very just upset with how it all went. And even though I still am sad, I guess, I kind of mourning, like grieving what what it could have been and what it wasn't, um, I am so thankful to see how God was in every little detail, orchestrating everything, working everything out. And really, I, I stand on this end of it in awe, just looking back and realizing you know, all along with this birth, with our other births, Simeon and I really in, in just the last three births, as I've been more educated and I've educated him and he's been more educated and really just trying to see birth as an opportunity to experience the Lord in a greater way. You know, God is the life giver. Um, but it is amazing that as women made in his image, 
You know, we get to reflect that part of his nature, not as the life giver, but a life giver in bringing, you know, not, not forming the very life itself. Obviously that, that is something that God and God alone does, but in nurturing that life and being a vessel that brings that life into the world, that is just such an amazing thing. Um, and you know, we had just been praying that God would help us to experience him anew and afresh um, as, you know, as I am brought to the end of me and as I am relying on God and trusting in him and as Simeon and I as a couple are in this really intimate, vulnerable state as I'm birthing another of one of her children, bringing a child into this world, um, just asking God to enter into that with us. You know, it did not, the answer did not look like what we had prayed for. And oftentimes in life, the answer doesn't look like what you pray for. But that doesn't always mean that God didn't answer. And that's something that I've came to realize as I've looked back and as I've processed through and tried to come to terms with it all, I've realized God did answer my prayer. We did experience him. He was with us every step of the way. It was still absolutely a beautiful birth. Um, It just, again, the answer looked different than what I thought, but he still answered and he is always faithful too. And that really has just encouraged me and strengthened my faith once again um, and just made me even more thankful for my little Flora and for the reminder that she will always be to me of even when life goes completely off script, God is in the midst of every detail working out things that you could never have seen or planned for or prepared for that God goes before us. And he, he makes our way plain. He leads us in that path. And, um, you know, then, then he walks through it with us. He is there with us, never leaving us, never forsaking us. And that's what he did for us in Flora's birth. Uh, so that's it. That is the birth story of Little Miss Flora Quinn, who really gave us a rough time getting here, um, but has been an absolute angel baby ever since. So I'll take it. Um, but anyway, thanks so much for joining me on this podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing uh, the story behind her arrival. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.